had two successful exits before this one in my trade. He raised about 400, 500 grand, which just diluted him. He sold that to Ameritrade for kind of a good amount. Everyone got a healthy return, but they stayed there for four years. So obviously part of it was a aqua hire as well. They really wanted that talent. Once they uh, earned that, they spun out like Folio, which is again, doing sentiment analysis uh, across tweets in a marketplace that basically helps investors make decisions about kind of different investment criteria and what the next big wins are and kind of trend analysis. They've got a team of four down in Argentina doing that analysis. That's the engineering. Another team of four or five there in Kentucky, again, focused on bootstrapping and building this business, staying lean, uh, serving, you know, that sector of 30 to 50 of the big, big, big guancais. Those are our annual contract values, 200, 300, 400 grand. And this is The Top, where I interview entrepreneurs who are number one or number two in their industry in terms of revenue or customer base. You'll learn how much revenue they're making, what their marketing funnel looks like, and how many customers they have. I'm now at $20,000 per talk. Five and six million. He is hell-bent on global domination. We just broke our 100,000 unit sold mark. And I'm your host, Nathan Latka. Many of you listening right now don't have time to listen to every B2B SaaS CEO that I've interviewed. If you want to get access to the database I've created with year-over-year growth rates, customer accounts, margins, and many, many other data uh, metrics and data points, you can go to getlatka.com. Here's the thing, though. This that database, I keep it to myself. It's so freaking valuable. And to preserve the quality of the data and make sure that the people that have access to it have a true advantage, I'm only letting 10 companies on each month. So we're full this month, but you can go to getlatka.com to get on the waiting list for next month. And look, there's big people on the waiting list. I mean, the biggest VCs you've ever heard of. You've probably heard of them. They're big, private equity, billions and billions under management. So it's an impressive waiting list. Go get on now at getlatka.com. This is episode 775. Coming up tomorrow morning, the CEO of Texting Base shares his margins, his cap table structure, his valuation, and more. Hello, everyone. My guest today is Andy Swan. He's the founder of a company called Like Folio. The company uses social data to determine shifts in consumer behavior on Main Street before it becomes news on Wall Street. This is his third financial financial technology company. The second, MyTrade, was acquired by TD Ameritrade in 2007. Andy, are you ready to take us to the top? Oh, yeah. Okay, so let's go back real quick and get some history. So 2007, MyTrade, what did MyTrade do and why did you decide to exit it? MyTrade was basically a, um, it, it was a Twitter geared directly towards um, options traders and very active stock traders. And we developed a technology that allowed people to, with one click, copy another person's very complex options trade, which uh, made it a lot easier for people to share what they were doing, to learn about options trading, that sort of thing. And so uh, part of the reason that we sold was because um, basically the, the service, MyTrade itself, was fairly useless without a brokerage backend. And so um, we developed the technology. Uh, we had a longstanding relationship with um, TD Ameritrade's subsidiary Thinkorswim, and, um, you know, it pretty much developed it with them in mind. And so uh, it kind of it worked out well for us and for, uh, and for them. It's now probably the, the number one uh, stock trading and options trading community in the world. And what did the, uh, I mean, did you decide to bootstrap that company or did you raise capital or what? Uh, we raised a little bit. Um, What's actually, a little bit? Uh, five or six hundred thousand. Okay. Um, I, I don't think that we ever um, 
really tapped into that money because we sold the company like three or four months after, after raising. So really, we just diluted our own ownership um, and kind of a lesson learned there. But um, Why'd you yeah, do that so, if you knew the sale was coming? It sounds like you were building this all the whole time in, in mind for Ameritrade. Well, we didn't know that the sale was coming. Um, you know, we, we thought that there was a good opportunity to at least partner with them. We did not know um, that they would uh, jump on the idea of acquiring it. But, um, you know, so we, we raised the money thinking, all right, this will get us 12 to 18, 18 months worth of capital to build this out uh, properly. But, um, you know, they kind of they kind of acquired us right out of the starting gate, which we did not expect, but it, um, it turned out to work out well. And what they acquire it for? What was the price? Uh, not going to disclose that. I, it was, um, you know, not... Not Instagram numbers, but it was it was it was nice. I mean, was it? It sounds like if you're if you're going all in on a customer like that, and you were also dependent on on a back end or a brokerage like what they had. I mean, was this? I mean, should we look at it? I mean, did you stay with the company after they acquired you? Yeah, we stayed on for um, I think it was three or four years. Okay, so I mean, you, then, could, you could potentially look at this almost like an aqua hire, but there was still some good return for you and the investors. Yes, for sure. Yeah, for yeah. Sure. Okay. And, um, and that, that's, from there, we spun off after three or four years under that um, corporate umbrella. You know, both parties decided that, um, you know, myself and my brother, who's my partner in, in all of this stuff, would be uh, better off and everybody would benefit more from us being uh, separate. So we spun off, created our own company uh, with the idea of Likefolio in mind from the very beginning. And uh, TD Ameritrade has been a partner of Likefolio from the from day one on that as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, got it. So, so we could continue the relationship. Yep. Yep. So tell me, tell me now. Wh- let's let's now transition into Likefolio. So you got you left, or you or you developed the technology while you were still earning your earnout or your four years at the other company, or, or was it a completely new company? No, com- completely new company. We left and um, developed the technology after leaving. Okay, got it. We had the idea when we left. Yeah. And how does so? So let's go kind of backwards to 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 then current time. What is like Folio, and what's the revenue model? How do you make money? We sell insights on consumer behavior to professional investors and to companies, and so um, we take in all. We have a partnership with Twitter. We take in every tweet that is mentioning a brand or product that's owned by a publicly traded company, and then. We analyze all those tweets for chain, you know, sentiment. Uh, most importantly, purchase intent is the person tweeting talking about buying the, the product or service. And then over time, we can map those trends. We can graph those out. We can look for big shifts in uh, consumer behavior and say, you know, alert to our um, professional clients. Look, you might want to take a look at Weight Watchers. It is, uh, you know, we're seeing a lot more people talking about. Uh, subscribing to Weight Watchers this quarter than in prior first quarters of other years, we think there's something big there. And so um, we sell that data to hedge funds, quant funds, and, um, you know, that's how we that's how we make a buck. And how, though? Like, is it is it is it a one-time fee kind of per report pulled, or is it a monthly subscription service per API call, no. like a usage model? What is it? Yeah, we have uh, several different layers. So some clients don't have the ability to take in, you know, an API fee. They don't have the computing power. And so that's what we call like Folio On Demand. It's a subscription service uh, monthly around $2,000 a month. And then for, you know, quantitative funds that do have extreme computing power, 
we have a very robust API that they can subscribe to that runs anywhere from 100,000 to $300,000 a year. Okay, and which of those two models makes up more of your of your revenue? Uh, the API. Oh, okay, got it. Uh, Yep. So you so you, you very much kind of have this 80-20 rule going on where these companies that are smaller that don't have the computing power, you know, they can get in at two grand a month to kind of start a relationship. But ideally for you, the way you make the most money there is if they mature and make more money, get the computing power and then convert to a two hundred or three hundred thousand dollar annual customer. Yeah, that's true. I would also say that, um, you know, to be fair, we we just launched the Likefolio on-demand model um, where we're servicing these smaller um, boutique type of hedge funds. And so it could turn out, because there's so many more of them, there's, you know, 10 to 13,000 of those, whereas the quantitative funds, there's maybe 30 to 50. So uh, it could turn out to be the bigger uh piece of a revenue in a couple of years. I'm not sure. What penetration do you have right now? It sounds like it's a small market, 30 to 50. How many of them are using you, paying you right now? Um, we do not disclose that ever. In fact, what's really crazy about this client base, we can't give testimony, we can't share testimonials, we can't share usage numbers because every contract that we have with these clients is buttoned up and so secure, we're not allowed to disclose even that we have a relationship with them. Uh, they're very secretive bunch and it's, it's one of the more, you know, uh, um, challenging things about this is, you know, kind of going out to market without being able to tell how others are using the product or that they're happy with it is, is tough. Yeah. And just to be clear, I, I don't want names. I'm not asking for names, but you mentioned you already said that market is 30 to 50. So do, are you serving 10 of them? Or are you serving 15? I don't know which ones or which ones or even what you put in that bucket. But based off your definition of the 30 to 50, how many are using you? Again, I'm not. I'm not going to disclose any numbers at all. Okay, well, why not? Because again, I, the penetration we have in the market is uh, something that we hold very close to the chest. May, mostly because um, this data has um, has a certain amount of alpha, which is the, the benefit that the uh, it's more valuable the less people have it. The less people have it, the more valuable it is. Yeah, so that, this is exactly where I was going. Why would you then release it on a much cheaper $2,000 per price thing to 13,000 potential new customers? It makes it way less valuable to the people that are paying way more. No, it doesn't because it's a different, it's a completely different product. The, the people that are using it on an API level, they are trading algorithmically, uh, not fundamentally. Uh, the hedge funds that are looking at it uh, and our polling reports are looking at a uh, multi, on a multi-year level, completely different time frame, and are using it for um, very different reasons. So the two are are very separate in terms of the impact on alpha. Got it. And then, what is your kind of from a from a historical perspective? Uh, you launched the company. Have you decided to bootstrap it, or have you raised capital? No, we have not raised capital and don't plan on it. Um, this is this is something I want to own all of. Okay. Um, someone else might look at that and say, well, he, he, maybe they just don't understand how to spend money to acquire new customers. Otherwise, you, you try and raise capital to fuel that growth. Uh, which, which is it? No, it's, it's that I want to own it all. I have, I have the money to spend to acquire customers.
Okay, got it. But I mean, some of these, I mean, some of the folks I imagine you're working with, like you mentioned, one of your partners, I think is is Ameritrade or whatever the back end is. Some of the folks obviously would be strategic in terms of doing that. Why make the decision not to pursue those kind of opportunities? Um, Honestly, I just don't want to have um, anyone else having a say in how our company is run. Uh, I want to own it all. I want to be the captain of this ship and not answer to anyone even on a minority basis. Um, you know, it's, it's a, I've been down that road. Um, I've had a, two successful exits and, you know, I, I feel like entrepreneurs, generally speaking, if they have the capability, are better off uh, without external capital. And are you referring to, I assume, my trade and what was the other one? The other one was called Day Trade Team. Uh, we sold that in 2006 and um, to a private investor and private equity, and um, you know that that kind of got us uh, going a little bit. It was not a huge deal, uh, two or three million bucks, but um, you know got us on the road to uh, understanding how to build a company a little bit and. It, put us on the map in the financial sector. And why do you feel like, it sounds like you're, again, because of the advice you just gave, you're, you're not gonna raise capital. What, 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 how did kind of uh, money raised in that first deal uh, hurt you guys? Oh, we did not raise money in, uh, in day trade team at all. Uh, my trade, we did. Um, we didn't use it and it diluted us. But, um, you know, I personally, I think that Staying focused and staying lean and staying focused on the, the product that you're delivering to customers rather than how much or how often you're marketing to them is um, is the better advice, especially in the first two to four years of a startup's life. I think too many entrepreneurs are trying to do uh, to go too broad too soon, and the product suffers. They get too much capital. They hire too many people, and then you're kind of one blip away from uh, you know, not having even the ability to pivot, which yep. I think is pretty dangerous. What are you guys at now in terms of uh, team size? There's four. Going, we're, we just hired our fifth uh, person in the uh, Louisville office, and then we have a team of uh, four people that have been with us in Argentina on the tech side. Uh, same same group of four has been with us for three years down there. So are those four people, I mean, one of the questions I had for you is analyzing actual sentiment. So let's say you saw a bunch of tweets about Weight Watchers. How do you actually analyze the sentiment to distinguish between someone saying, um, I will never buy Weight Watchers versus I'm about to buy Weight Watchers? Yeah, so that's a great question. It's one of the toughest things for us to do. Um, the So in that example, the word never uh, negates everything else uh, in in the tweet. And so, um, you know, that would actually come up as negative sentiment. So what if, though, uh, Andy, that same thing said, I could never live without Weight Watchers? Right. Uh, that would come up as negative sentiment as well. So that would be a miss on our part. The um, and, and we do have misses. About 2 to 4%, depending on the company, of our uh, sentiment uh, where we're, we register a sentiment, positive or negative, is a miss. And so, um, you know, that's that's noise in the data that our clients have to deal with that we disclose very well. But we audit, you know, we take a sample of about a thousand tweets per company per month and take a look at, you know, at, at any of the um, misses that we find and we try to uh, correct for that. But there are some that are just going to be misses 
there's some sarcasm that's going to be missed. Um, you know, we try, to, we try to get it as good as we can, but it is certainly not perfect. Guys, big news. Last month was a huge month for the company I recently acquired, which was www.thetopinbox.com. I liked the company so much when I met the person who created it. It lets you send emails later on Gmail, set up reminders like snooze almost to keep your inbox clean, do things like send auto follow-ups and do open tracking so you know when your emails get opened. It's great if you're in sales or CEO or trying to be more productive. So listen, I bought the whole company on the spot and I wanna tell you how I did it. I've showed the deal, by the way, to big, smart people, private equity firms, VCs, and they're dumbfounded. They go, Nathan, how did you do this? We've never seen a deal like this. How did you do this? So I did an unbelievable deal and I wanna show you the income report. So for me to send you the income report, go to www.thetopinbox.com click the red button that says install this on Gmail. And when you do that, my email will appear. It'll appear in a little uh, Gmail pop-up window. Send me an email and I'll reply immediately with the income report. And you can see how I'm buying and growing small B2B SaaS companies. That's www.thetopinbox.com. Totally free to try and use. www.thetopinbox.com. Yep. All right, Andy, let's wrap up here with the famous five number one. What's your favorite business book? and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? Jeff Bezos, Every Move. And number three, how many, uh, sorry, what's your favorite online tool, like Acuity Scheduling? Favorite online tool? Uh, I don't, you know, I just use Gmail. I don't, I don't really use too many online tools. Number four, how many hours of sleep do you get every night? Say six. And what's your current situation? Married, single, you have kids? Married with two kids. Oh, nice. And, and how old are you? I am turning 40 in two weeks. A very happy early oh. birthday. Last, last yeah, question, man. Odometer's <laughs> over. <laughs> last question. Take us back 20 years. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? I wish my 20-year-old self knew a little bit more patience. Uh, they could... Uh, especially as an entrepreneur, I see so many people just kind of right as they're about to succeed. Um, you know, they kind of, they, they've lost their own patience and they're two or three years in. And, and really it's that, I think, third to fifth years where successes are made. And um, there's too much hype about overnight successes. It, it takes a lot of patience to do this right. There you guys have it from Andy Swan, founder of Like Folio. Patience is king. He had two successful exits before this one in my trade. He raised about 400, 500 grand, which just diluted him. He sold that to a merit trade for kind of a good amount. Uh, everyone got a healthy return, but they stayed there for four years. So obviously part of it was a aqua hire as well. They really wanted that talent. Once they uh, earned that, they spun out Like Folio, which is again, doing sentiment analysis uh, across tweets in a marketplace that basically helps investors make decisions about kind of different investment criteria and what the next big wins are and kind of trend analysis analysis. They've got a team of four down in Argentina doing that analysis. That's the engineering. Another team of four or five there in Kentucky, again, focused on bootstrapping and building this business, staying lean, uh, serving, you know, that sector of 30 to 50 of the big, big, big Quankais. Those are annual contract values, 200, 300, 400 grand. And then they just launched a new product where you can kind of get like folio on demand. If you're a smaller company for call it two grand per month. Andy, thank you for taking us to the top. Thank you. Have a good one. If you enjoyed Andy today, go back and listen to Chase yesterday. Chase founded Creative Live and I was curious. I said, Chase, if LinkedIn offered you $200 million, would you sell? 